0: Welcome to Better News, a series of special podcasts. It's All Journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by API and the Knight Lenfest News Initiative. It's also funded by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research API has published as part of its Better News initiative. There are many different ways to define a community's identity and culture. You can look at the buildings along its main street, its educational institutions, museums, as well as its arts and music. When Joni Deutsch arrived in Charlotte, North Carolina, to become the podcast lead at WFAE, the city's NPR station, she wanted to create a podcast that highlighted the region's diverse music scene.
1: Amplifier. And then the beat would drop. (laughs) Amplifier.
0: Amplifier. 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 Welcome to the podcast, Joni.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: To start off with, why don't you describe Amplifier? How is it different from other music podcasts?
1: Yeah, so Amplifier is WFAE's music podcast exploring the Charlotte music scene. It's our way to kind of look at all the different people, producers, songwriters, all the folks involved in Charlotte music, past, present and future, and then sharing those spotlights with folks, whether they're natives to the Charlotte area or maybe they just moved here and they're wanting to explore what Charlotte has to offer.
0: So if somebody you know, listens to Amplifier, what, what can people expect?
1: Well, Amplifier is an interview podcast. You know, we are not some sound-rich, serial S-Town production, as much as I'd like us to be. Really what it is, is just the heartfelt stories of the Charlotte music scene, which, you know, a lot of these folks have never had a platform like this. This is the opportunity for them to say, hi, I'm here, and I'm making great music. I may not be based in L.A. or New York or Atlanta, but I'm doing it right here in the Queen City in North Carolina So folks can expect interviews, stories, anecdotes, and also songs and music from a number of folks who represent the Charlotte music scene. We have individuals who have worked with Anthony Hamilton in production and songwriting. We've had individuals who are composers and songwriters for major podcasts and television productions. We've had godmothers of the Charlotte rock scene. We've had rappers who may be the next big thing. So... The episodes change each time. Different parts of the music scene, different stories, different songs. But it's a spider web where you come in wanting to listen to one person, and by the end of the episode, you're likely going to learn about five other people in the Charlotte music scene that are just killing it.
0: So, you know, we're, we're talking today about the Better News Initiative, and your project was was sort of involved in that. You know, what problem was it that you were trying to solve when you launched the podcast?
1: The WFAE was a music station back in the day. It actually began as a jazz station, all music. Uh, over time, it became more and more of a news station to the point where now in 2019, it's I'd say 99% news and then 1% some very small music on-air programming. And you know, what we were seeing in the larger Charlotte community was that there wasn't a dedicated resource to music journalism, to music discovery of the of the regional scene. And this was the way for WFAE to say, you know, we want to invest in more than just news. We want to invest in the community, in local perspectives, and in the arts and culture that are blossoming in Charlotte, even if there's not a dedicated resource for that yet.
0: So why a podcast? I mean, you're a radio station. Why do a podcast?
1: Well, I have to admit that I'm a little biased since I am the podcast manager at WFAE. So this is just one of the many that we produce at the station. But the reason why we chose a podcast for this amplifier initiative is because it's it's allowing individuals who may not be traditional radio listeners or traditional public radio audience members to learn about the Charlotte music scene for this to be the platform through which they are able to learn and discover and see and support the musicians live. In podcasting, you don't have to be in Charlotte listening to us on terrestrial radio to enjoy these artists. You can be anywhere. You could be someone who was from Charlotte and maybe you're in Los Angeles. We've had a number of folks saying that this is reconnecting them to where they are or where they're from.
0: I apologize for that. I kind of uh, threw you under the bus as a fellow podcaster. I, I can't tell you how many meetings I have been in and where people talk about problems that they have. And I'm like, you know, maybe you should do a podcast because that always seems to be th- the answer to every problem that I have. Let's just do a podcast.
1: Well, I, to your point, though, I think the beauty of podcasting is that it allows for deeper, longer you know, more fruitful conversations that may not be able to play out on radio just because of time constraints. You know, there's not exactly a clock to the podcasting uh, way of living. I can be able to have a conversation with an artist and should that conversation go longer than 29 minutes, (laughs) then it can still happen. Now, granted, I come from the perspective that just because you can podcast doesn't mean that you should. It needs to be meaningful to the audience, which is part of what I do in my job at WFAE. It's that, yes, we're able to podcast, but what does the audience really want out of this? Is there a need for this topic, for this conversation, for this podcast to take place? And what we saw in Charlotte music scene when we did a survey asking Charlotte musicians, hey, submit your work, or Charlotte audiences, hey, what do you want to know? There is desperately a need for this kind of podcast.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that, about your launching the podcast. You, you did sort of a, a reach out to the community to try to get people to submit Tell me about that process and what the result of it was.
1: Right. So I guess just to give you a little bit more backstory too, I originally came from West Virginia and I worked at the West Virginia NPR station there, which I know you're probably thinking, oh, the West Virginia music scene is so vibrant. I know 20 different artists there, which is actually why I did a similar project in West Virginia, because I wanted to highlight the statewide music scene and just say that it's more than just banjos and Brad Paisley, even though both are great. So when I moved down to Charlotte, And I asked natives and newcomers, what is the Charlotte music scene? And they both shrugged their shoulders at me. I realized there's more to the story down here. So one of the first things we did was we created a Google form, a simple survey that we were able to promote on air, online, on social media, what have you, where we just asked Charlotte musicians, hey, we're potentially doing a series, at WFAE, about the Charlotte music scene. Tell us, who are you? You know, what kind of music do you play? What's the name of your act? Give us some links to where we can listen to you, and tell us a little bit more. You know, what has your experience been like in Charlotte music, and also who are the individuals that you enjoy working with in the Charlotte music scene? And those responses not only gave us a glimpse of the different genres in the scene, but also the other people that may not have filled out the survey because they are mentioned in that little question of who's your favorite person to work with. We were expecting about a hundred people to answer the survey, and to date, since the summer of twenty eighteen. We've received, I think by now, around 500 responses and the genres range, the experience levels range, the experiences, the stories range. And so it was really great to be able to read through and listen through those different pieces and and music. But more than that, we also did an analysis. You know, I I created uh, three different audience segments that could really tie into why this audience, why this podcast needed to be made. You have the native, the person who's been here for decades and just never got to experience the Charlotte music scene because of work and life obligations. We also have the newcomer, the person who just moved to Charlotte, a city where we have 60 to 100 people moving here each day. And they're interested in the Charlotte music scene, but they just don't really know where to start. And they want a trusted, curated voice and and perspective for that. And then we also have the musician, the third audience segment, the person who's been working in the music scene for years. And they want to dive deeper into it. And they want to support an ecosystem for themselves and others. So those three audience segments in mind, and the hundreds of musicians who submitted their work, we created a podcast.
0: So you identified audiences. You created targeted content. What else can you tell me about the process and how it unfolded?
1: The weirdly beautiful thing about my official title at the station, which for listeners out there, it's on-demand content and audience engagement manager. It's a mouthful. It means that my position, my role in creating podcasts and managing them isn't that I'm only focusing on the content. It also means I'm focusing on the audience and engagement with the audience, true engagement where it's a conversation, not just us saying, we're putting out this content, it's going to be the best there is, listen to it, and the audience then saying, no, how does this relate to our lives? So to your point about just being able to create and launch this podcast, it's important just to consider what does the audience need out of it? And to do that, do you need to create surveys where you send it out to the audience saying, hey, we're about to launch a series, maybe a music series or podcast. Here are some basic questions for us to know what you need out of it, what you like. Maybe are you going to be listening to this as you go about your daily commute or on the weekends? I mean, that can determine the length of the podcast episodes. So there's lots of considerations. I mean, obviously, experimentation is great. If you want to launch something, go ahead and do so. But definitely keep the audience at the heart of what you do.
0: Well, one thing that you did that I thought was really interesting that I've heard about in other permutations is you created sort of target audience members that, you know, you sort of identified them by name and this person has this interest, you know, this is the type of music they want to hear. This is how their day goes. Could you tell me about that and how that sort of informed the development of your podcast?
1: You know, we created three audience segments for this podcast when we were about to launch it. And we did that just to give us an idea of, okay, as we're making this podcast, as we're launching it, as we're continuing it, we need to keep these three potential hypothetical audiences in mind because they're the heart of what we do. And we just need to make sure if we're not keeping them in mind, are we fulfilling the mission of public radio? Are we fulfilling the mission of this particular music podcast project? So, again, those three audience segments, you had the the native to the Charlotte area, the newcomer to the Charlotte area, and the musician – All three of which are very valid. They have different interests, potentially, in listening to the podcast or engaging with it. But they're all there for a similar reason of sorts, which is that they want to have a greater role in being a fan, a supporter, a participant in the Charlotte music scene.
0: What type of response back have you gotten from the different types of listeners?
1: When you're creating these audience segments, you're not only thinking about it because of the content. You're thinking about it for other reasons, too. For instance, marketing. I mean, as you can probably see in that better news piece about Amplifier, I literally put a name to each of those audience segments. And I also wrote them out to say, this person works at this kind of job, lives in this part of the Charlotte community. This is what they like doing in their off time. This is the kind of media and social media and podcasts that they already work with or listen to or enjoy. And I did that, too, because it reminds me of just how can they interact with other parts of the Charlotte community so that when we promote Amplifier... I can work with my marketing team to say, this is where we should put flyers for Amplifier. This is where we should put print ads. This is where we should do live events or community initiatives, depending on people who already engage with that area of Charlotte. Or maybe we want to engage with a new part of Charlotte to let them know, hey, this podcast may be up your
0: alley too. How do you measure success then in these different audience segments?
1: Well, I will say that since launching the podcast, which we did it in a very interesting way, which I can talk to in just a bit. When we launched the podcast in September, 2018, We heard from so many different people over social media, over email, membership during our pledge drive when they made little comments saying why they're donating to WFAE, all of which hit what our audience segments were that we envisioned. We heard from individuals who said, thank you so much. I had no clue that this artist who's been playing here for 30 years was here. I've been here for even longer in the Charlotte community. You just opened my eyes to their music and also everyone that they mentioned in their interview so that I can learn about all of their comrades and their collaborators in the Charlotte music scene. I've heard from people that are brand new to the Charlotte area saying that this podcast is a resource for them to learn more about the music venues and where they can go see live music in Charlotte since They had no clue where to go. And what we're seeing is the amount of support, too, not just from the listeners of this podcast, but from the music community. They're proud to say that this is the home for Charlotte music journalism. They've been talking about it within their music communities. They've been able to spread the word about the interviews. And also, we've heard from organizations. You know, since we launched this in September of 2018, A number of nonprofits, of museums, of fine arts institutions have reached out saying, hey, we want to collaborate with Amplifier because we know the good work that you're doing in the community. Let's do a live event. Let's do a panel discussion on the music scene. Let's do a live festival or a concert showcase of the Charlotte musicians that you featured on Amplifier. And to this day, I'm probably being asked once, if not twice a week, to do an Amplifier collaboration with the community because of that community support.
0: So you alluded to this before, but I did want to ask you, when you launched in 2018, you had kind of a interesting way to do it. You know, when people think about podcasts, they're thinking about, oh, this is something coming out every, you know, every week or every couple of weeks or every month or something. But you launched a podcast a day for 20 days. What was behind that idea?
1: When we launched in September 2018, we did it every single weekday just for that month. So Monday through Friday, There was a brand new interview in the podcast feed of a totally different person. So the first Monday that we kicked off the series, it was with a rocker, a godmother of Charlotte rock music, Hope Nichols. The next day, it was with Chad Lawson, based in Charlotte, who's a classically trained pianist, and he's the composer of the podcast Lore. And, like, the list goes on and on of genres, rap, hip-hop, R&B, pop, folk, you name it. And the reason we did that, a 20 for 20, basically a daily music podcast, is – because there's not really anything like it. You have daily news podcast, mostly national news podcast, but there really wasn't a daily music podcast, let alone a daily Charlotte podcast like this that really highlighted those folks in a coordinated effort. Because once those 20 interviews were done, you could see the patchwork of Charlotte all in one place of what the Charlotte music scene was. So yeah, it created a big splash. I think also that That coordinated effort of every day an amplifier artist and us creating graphics that the artists were able to share on social media that looked amazing and just so engaging. By the end of the month, people knew the amplifier branding. People knew what amplifier was because their social media feeds, their on-air feeds were just slathered with it. So it, it really helped us just make people know this was going to be a thing and Charlotte Music was going to be a thing.
0: And then from that, you turned around and you come out every other week.
1: Yeah. So since September 2018, we have changed up the production process because I think a daily music podcast for 300 some days of the year, it can't do that at the moment, given that we're kind of a small operation of sorts. So uh, since September 2018, we've been doing it every other Thursday. So basically once every two weeks.
0: So how long does it take you to produce an episode?
1: Sorry to say, but happy to say that this is a small but mighty operation where I I do the bulk of the work. I'm very happy to have an editor involved as well as some digital assistants and web assistants and social media assistants. On my end for Amplifier, it means that I am taking about an hour or two to listen through different submissions we've received and other parts of the Charlotte music scene I want to highlight. Some of them aren't musicians. Some of them are artists. They're graphic designers. They're producers. So maybe they don't have music. I read up on them, research them. Booking the interview, recording the interview, which takes about 40 minutes for me to edit down. The editing process takes a couple hours, depending. And then being able to transcribe some of the interview for web purposes, collecting some photos to use for the web, I think in total, an amplifier episode takes about six hours, depending. Could be a little bit longer. It could be a little shorter.
0: And one of the reasons I asked that is I've talked to a lot of podcasters. I'm a podcaster. This idea that, hey, it's real easy to do a podcast kind of is real easy to do a podcast. but There's actually a lot of work in actually creating a successful podcast, not the least of which is trying to identify a guest and and schedule when when that person is going to be free to be able to talk to you. So what surprised you about this project?
1: I think there were a number of surprises to this amplifier project. The first one and in chronological order is just the amount of response I saw to the series when we announced, Hey, musicians in the community, send us your, you know, stories, send us your songs. We're not going to tell you what we're going to do with it yet because we don't know, but <laughs> send us your things and we'll listen through. And then seeing the amount of response. And I continue to see that response. People emailing me saying, Hey, We really appreciate that interview you did with someone in our part of the music community. We want to make sure this other person's on your radar. It's encouraging. I think the second thing that's been surprising has just been the community response. Like I said, I did a similar project, a podcast like this in West Virginia for the entire state. And maybe it's because it was a greater distance, you know, one city versus one state. But I didn't see as much support on a statewide basis as i'm seeing in a citywide basis for charlotte i mean we're having all sorts of people coming out of the woodwork to say they listen that they support it that they're now supporting wfae because they believe in the mission of it now that we really are there to highlight the community and its stories i think you can kind of hear it in my voice but i've just been so proud of meeting all these individuals involved and and highlighting them and i'm surprised that i'm able to do what i love which is making this podcast
0: So what advice would you give to someone who would want to launch a podcast? Maybe a uh, a journalist, uh, maybe not uh, necessarily a a radio station. Maybe it's uh, somebody to a publication that has an idea. What advice would you give them?
1: I would recommend creating a podcast that's meaningful to yourself, but also to your listeners. And does that mean that you need to figure out if there are voids, if there are parts of the community that their voices aren't being heard? Possibly. Because that's where the appreciation comes from. The fact that you are going to be there on the ground saying, I am here to share your stories. And that's where the groundswell of support comes from. So yeah, definitely find a story that is meaningful to you, but find the community that is also going to find your podcast meaningful to their lives.
0: And what would you say to somebody who might be surprised that their podcast is maybe not generating the traffic or the downloads that they thought it was going to do?
1: We can't all be serial. We can't all be the Daily from the New York Times. We can't all be the big podcast at the top of the charts on Apple Podcasts. It's just not feasible for so many reasons. Time, resources, sanity. So just keep at it. Consistency is just the key to personal success, professional success, whatever success that you want to define. But, you know, it's not all about the numbers. I mean – I'm telling you that Amplifier does really well, but it's not at the million download level. And that's okay. because what I'm seeing in the response out when we do events for Amplifier or from emails and social media comments, it's made an impact. And that's what I'm proud of. So don't feel like you need to make your success dependent on your charting of the podcast on Apple. It doesn't have to be that way.
0: Amen to that. Your audience that you're targeting may be very small and you could have an impact that's really huge with that small audience. So, you know, think about what your what your mission is and realize that maybe as you said, you're not gonna you're not gonna be serial, you're not gonna be one of these million download podcasts. That there's still value in what you're doing. There should be at least that.
1: At least not immediately. Right. At least not immediately. That's the thing is that everything grows, right? I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. So consistency is just such an important part of this. There are, at the time of this recording, more than 700,000 podcasts on Apple. But there's so many of them that start and stop after four or five episodes because they didn't plan in advance or they just burnt out from the amount of work and time involved. So just keep it up, start off small if you'd like, and continue to grow and grow because your audience will grow along with you.
0: Yeah, amen to that. Joni, thank you for uh, spending some time with me. I think you've g- given us a really good perspective on you know, what it takes to, to launch a podcast, what it takes to sort of connect with the community, you know, find something that makes that connection. It's really sort of, you know, gratifying to see that you've made a splash and that the people are letting you know that it means something to them.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, Michael. I appreciate you, too.
0: Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News Initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.